Hey, it's Jeremy, and I just want to take a quick minute to thank everybody who's checked this out at SotaSoccer.com, S-O-T-A Soccer.com, and who has supported us and contributed to our Patreon at Patreon.com slash SotaSoccer. We're trying to bring the Minnesota soccer community unmatched, unprecedented, dedicated, unique coverage of Minnesota soccer that you're not going to get anywhere else with written pieces, podcasts, and bonus content available to our Patreon subscribers over at patreon.com slash SodaSoccer. So if you haven't sampled our written content yet, make sure you check that out at SodaSoccer.com. And again, if you want to go that extra mile and directly support what we do, every content creator that's on the Soda Soccer team is paid for their work. So if you want to help support that and contribute to that, just go to patreon.com slash SodaSoccer. You can contribute for as low as $3 a month. Big thanks to everybody who is supporting not only the podcast here, but SodaSoccer.com as well. Now to the episode. What is up? And welcome in. It's another edition of 10,000 Pitches, a podcast devoted to everything Minnesota soccer and beyond. Jeremy Rushing here alongside me as always, Mr. Dominic Jose Bazonio for episode 120 for 10K. Coming at you here. Dom, how we doing? Good. I survived a very hectic holiday weekend and I am glad to be uh, back in uh, Minneapolis recording this podcast with you again uh which obviously we've taken a little break from for the holidays and stuff as well so uh yeah and and a lot of well some unfortunate news to to talk about today but but a lot of um very encouraging news for for minnesota as well so um glad to uh, to have a chance to talk about that as well yeah a little bit about planes trains and automobiles uh uh, uh for you dom we won't get too much into that though um but yes um you know shout out to you hopefully that if you were one of the many impacted by uh holiday travel delays cancellations uh system meltdowns um that you are at or on your way to your your destination and uh, can get 2023 off on the right foot in the right place um Thinking about all of you who are who are dealing with that right now. But of course, here on 10,000 Pitches, maybe you're traveling right now. Maybe you've dealt with all the issues and maybe you're finally on your way back to your destination. Seeing this podcast. Um, so hopefully we can kind of get you, you know, whether, whether you are home or whether you're on your way home or whether you're still on vacation, we thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Of course, we're presented by SodaSoccer.com. It is your new home for soccer coverage in the North. Um, you know, it's the off season, but we are still pushing out content. Really good piece from uh, from you, Dom, on the St. Paul Blackhawks joining the UPSL. Um, really good piece from Eli Hoff going in-depth on newly drafted Ryan Jeeba for uh, Minnesota United. And Mr. Jeeba will also be the subject of our 10K stoppage time uh, bonus podcast a little bit later on. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about him and his, his drafting on the podcast, on the regular podcast. But on stoppage time, we're going to kind of go more in-depth on Jiba, his time with Union Omaha, and what Minnesota United fans can expect from him in the short and or long term. So um, that's coming up on stoppage time. And then, uh, of course, you want to, if you want to follow us on the socials and keep uh, uh, abreast of everything that's going on with Soda Soccer, you can do that at Soda SOC. Please do not forget 
to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast if you have not yet either. Um, but one of the uh, things we we got to start with this. Um, I feel like we'd be remiss not to start with this. It is the biggest news of the day, biggest news of uh, uh, you know, I think especially post World Cup uh, in the in the soccer world. Um, true legend of the game, one of the greatest to ever do it. Uh, maybe the first greatest to ever do it. Uh, Pele passed away Thursday at the age of 82. Um, I mean, so many honors and accolades to go through. You look at the 1958 World Cup specifically, he basically set all the youngest player to do insert whatever thing here uh, in the 1958 World Cup. (laughs) And 64 years later, almost 65 years later, those records still stand. Youngest to score a goal in the World Cup, youngest to score a hat trick in the World Cup, youngest to score, you know, just youngest to score X amount of goals in a World Cup. Like it's it's crazy. And that that's just one of the many records and accolades that he uh, accumulated during his career. Um, you know, he he led the Brazilian top flight in scoring for every year from 1957 to 1965. Um, he you know won three World Cups. Uh, you know, just, I don't know how many Ballon d'Ors he, he ended up with, but I think it was like six or seven, if not more, um, most goals all time. Um, it's just, the list goes on and on for Pele. And, um, you know, the, 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 the statistics say one thing, but then you watch him play and you watch his highlights. And I, I implore you, if you have not watched Pele highlights, you need to go and watch because he is doing stuff in the fifties that still makes our jaw drop when players do it in 2022. And this is almost 70 years ago. We're talking here and he's doing this stuff. So it's just, I mean, I know I'm not even close to doing it justice. Obviously neither of us were even close to alive when Pele was actually playing and actually doing this. But I think that is a testament to the impact that he has on this game, the generational Mm -hmm. impact, because almost 70 years after he starts his career and after he's really in the prime of his career, we're still here talking about him as if, you know, he's the goat and he was just doing this 10 or 15 years ago. Very, very few athletes or very, very few people in any profession that have that kind of long lasting impact, especially in the short attention span era that we're in today. Right, you could get a lot of recency bias, and and you see that with 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 Messi, Ronaldo, and you know people talking about Mbappe now as well. Um, but then you just look back at how many people, how many just general people here today know the name Pele. Yeah, it's it's pretty wild. Um, drop a pin anywhere in the world and walk up to somebody, they ask them if they know who Pele is, and they probably will. Um, mm-hmm. And again, he retired in 1977. So that, that just shows you, I mean, that, that just shows you there the, the, the type of impact that he had on the game. And um, yeah, I'm going to stop rambling now, Dom, your kind of initial thoughts and reactions. Yeah. Um, you know, well, like you said, there's, there's so much to say. Um, I, I guess I'll, I'll try to kind of do the, the main bullet points. First of all, to, to something you said there, yeah, you know, and I actually, I mean, by the time this goes up, I don't even know where it will be on my feed, but I, I had retweeted um, 
uh, a video that, uh, that another journalist had put out that was actually a, a really clever idea, which was basically showing highlights of, of more recent star players. There was Messi, Ronaldo, Zidane was in there. There's a couple others. Um, and then it was footage of Pele. So the, the footage was of those stars doing famous tricks and, and moments from their careers, you know, not Megan or scoring crazy goals or whatever. And then it was mm. cut to a clip of Pele doing the exact same thing. In black and, and white. Often in black <laughs> and white, yeah. And, and, it, and, and even there's footage of him doing a Cruyff turn before Cruyff did. Uh, you know, there, yeah. there, there's all this kind of stuff. And I think, you know, people, especially after um, this World Cup, which, you know, Argentina uh, have won, I believe that was after our last podcast. And obviously, congratulations to them. There's obviously a lot of conversation about um, uh, Lionel Messi, is he the goat and that sort of stuff. And, and maybe he is worth, you know, stuff like that is kind of hard to, I don't know what a lot of that means, to be honest. I don't think anyone knows what that means. What I will say mm. is whoever the goat is, and you're seeing a lot of this online, this term that I'm about to say, Pele is, is the king of football because yes. everything, everything that these guys are doing to, to compete with him, to be the goat and maybe Messi's done. I don't know. Who knows? But everything that guys like Messi and Ronaldo and, 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 you know, Ronaldinho and R9, all these famous soccer players, they're all doing what they're doing, trying to become the GOAT in the footsteps of Pele. He, he created so much and, and, and was the symbol for others who created what we know really now as, as football. Um, and so there, there really isn't enough to say about him. And, and I guess I'll really quickly note for those that maybe just know his name and don't think too much about him, you know, the importance of Pele as a player is so immense for so many reasons. In Brazil, yeah. he represented um, a hugely important moment in, uh, well, unfortunately, uh, uh, an issue, a struggle that continues, but he, he represented a, a major moment in the, improvement of the representation and respect of uh you know uh, afro-brazilians um obviously him being a, a black brazilian man uh he represents for a lot of south americans in general uh, a unique sim symbol of the ability of south american football because he is easily one of the most famous footballers of all time and he never played in europe he never mm -hmm. went to a european club he played for Santos for like 20 damn years. And then he played for the Cosmos for like three. Yep. And in that time playing for Santos and playing for Brazil, just those two things, particularly, he was able to become, you know, the godfather of, of the sport. Um, and, and for mm -hmm. Latin America, that means a lot. It means a lot that it was possible for someone to do that without having to go play in Europe. And, mm -hmm. uh, and so there's, there's just so many aspects of him that are so important to, to the history of the game. And I'll, I'll just add on a more sentimental note, you know, um, his passing, I think for a lot of people, including me, has also brought back a lot of the processing that happened with the passing of Diego Maradona, which was not that long yep. ago. And, you know, that passing for me, like many others, that, that was a very sad experience for me. This passing was a very sad experience for me. And, uh, I, I, I want to, on a positive, on a vaguely positive note, I, I want to call back to uh, uh, the, what Pele said when Maradona passed away, which was, uh, and uh, part of why I recall this is because this was going around the internet a lot today, 
was he, I think it was a tweet or some sort of sort of official post from his social media. He said that one day we'll kick a ball together in the sky above in tribute to Diego Maradona. And I, you know, I'm not a religious person, but I like to think that somehow, some way, those two and maybe a couple others are are enjoying each other's company now. But it, it's a very sad, uh, even though there was a lot of kind of build up to this because for a while there's kind of been rumors about his health. Uh, it's, it's a very, very sad day. And, and the sport has lost probably the most important person that will ever have existed. Um, players, at least in terms of players in its history. So um, my, my thoughts go out, obviously, to, to his family, but also to every member of the Brazilian football community that I'm sure is going through a lot right now. And, and, and just everybody that's feeling the grief. Uh, of this, which which I certainly am as well. So, yeah, it's he's one one of the greatest of all time. If you haven't kind of tried to learn more about him before, you should. Uh, and very very sad to see him go. Yeah, the 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 argument for me is like so. It's become so watered down in every sport, and it's it's almost just a a, a talking head type content piece now used for clicks used for views whatever i don't like to get into that i don't i don't really like that i will say though you you mentioned most important and you mentioned the king of football and i think both of those are absolutely true for pele he's like the patriarchal figure of of soccer as we view it you know if you were to put together a, a mount rushmore if you will of soccer players you know you a lot of people may argue for a lot of people to be shuffled in and out of that but the one constant's (laughs) always going to be pele right Absolutely. You cannot have that without him. Um, and he's all, he's always going to be, I think kind of soccer's ambassador for the greatest players to ever play X amount of sport. You know, that's always going to Pele is always going to be seen as kind of that, that soccer representation there for that. Right. So um, that just shows you, and I, I, I completely agree with everything you said. And I, I like how you called back to Pele's post when Maradona died, because um, that was kind of a lot of people, you know, we're, we're a lot of people always kind of compared those two, you know, and talking about the goat argument, a lot of people like to do the, the with Messi yeah. and Ronaldo. Then you have like the past with, with Maradona and Pele and they're kind of, kind of those past figureheads. So um, yeah, I, I, I just think all of that is so it, it, it stinks that like it takes somebody dying to really have these conversations and, and talk about it. Um, and I thought it was also, to kind of bring it to present day um i thought it was fitting that in this world cup neymar tied pele's uh brazilian mm-hmm. international goals um record um in this and, and he'll he'll break it you know with uh, post posthumously if you will um after pele has passed so um but uh yeah i just think his his impact on the sport is so long lasting it'll it'll be seen for it's not only going to be seen today, even after he's gone, it'll be seen for, for decades, maybe even centuries, even more to come. Um, that's the type of impact that he had on the sport. So yeah. um, also, if you have not, I'm I'm assuming everybody listening to this podcast has probably watched the Pele documentary on HBO. Uh, but if you have not, I highly recommend you do so. Um, definitely worth your time. I think my favorite parts of that documentary weren't necessarily the historical parts of it, but like them actually like sitting with Pele in yeah. what was the present day at the time at the, the little community he was in. 
um, seeing him. And I think he was like watching soccer. He was like talking to people. He was smiling, laughing. You know, I just think all that was, was really cool to see that he seemed to be so at peace at, at his age and with everything that he had done in his life and his career. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's kind of a, it's a sad day, but it's also, I think a really, we get to talk about a guy who, you know, he, he paved the way for so many things and we're probably not here doing this podcast today, honestly, if it weren't for Pele, I mean, oh, yeah, he's the, the generational, that generational impact. So, um, yeah. Any, anything more on Pele before we switch topics here? Dominic, I want to make sure um, we give this the the time and attention it deserves. Well, you know what? I mean, I didn't, but then the that last bit you said there actually made me. You know, it's it's probably worth noting. You, you mentioned, you know, we wouldn't be here doing this podcast, um, and and I, you might have just meant that in sort of a general sense for the way he like kind of changed the game. But actually, like, I mean, let's be perfectly clear. You know, a, a part of his part of his legacy that you know maybe some people care less about than say an American would, but, um, is that, you know, Pele did for American soccer, almost the exact same thing that, you know, we talk about like the Beckhams of the world in MLS. He is Mm -hmm. such an important figure in the, the revitalization of soccer in this country, which had, you know, really died out after, you know, there was sort of this original era of American soccer in like the thirties and the forties. And it really died out uh and and then with the end the original nasl there was an attempt to rebirth it and the arrival of players like pele particularly him and and a couple others um, from abroad into this league were such an important moment in the rebirth of soccer in this country and even though the nasl did not necessarily achieve long term what it might have wanted to in the way that sort of mls has managed to that moment is so important in keeping the sport alive in this country so not only does you know his history as a player affect the whole world but to your point about this podcast or whatever um yeah i mean stuff like i mean american soccer culture as a whole has him to thank for breathing life into american soccer and a really important point in its history um and which is just another reason for you know people here i I imagine the majority of our listeners live in the u.s um to uh to keep him in mind keep his legacy in mind and and just understand um how much of an impact he even had on their lives whether they they realize it or not you know number number 10 is a pretty popular number in the world of soccer obviously the best player on any given team usually wears number 10 um I I wouldn't be opposed to them retiring that worldwide. <laughs> uh, in honor of Pele. That I, I think would, that would be I I at the very least would not be surprised if Brazil do something like that, the national yeah, team. For sure. If, but uh, I think yeah. I think the way that you look at um you know Jackie Robinson's 42 in Major League mm. Baseball, for, for example, every team retired number 42 in Major League Baseball. Mm-hmm. I think you know, it, 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 this is extrapolated to global here with with Pele, but I, I do think that that they should consider doing that because his impact was not just in Brazil, it was not just in Latin America, it was not just uh, here in the states. It was absolutely worldwide. He lit the world on fire when he was um, at his peak. Um, so yeah, I mean. In a, in a way, like the whole soccer world is in mourning 
what what athlete what what person has that effect on the entire globe in any way right right it's a few and far between so um yeah i think um anyways uh yes uh obviously our thoughts go out to uh his entire family uh, his loved ones everyone impacted by this loss and you know that list is is miles and miles long of those impacted by this loss and um I think it'll be interesting to see kind of, you know, similar to what we talked about, the retiring of the number or whatever, kind of what, what the soccer world, you know, decides to do in memoriam um, to, to honor, honor the life and career of Pele. Uh, we'll be interested to see how that, how that happens moving forward. All right. So quick timeout here on the podcast. We'll be back though, to talk Minnesota United. Dom, I love MLS. I love this league. Minnesota United drafts their own reserve player. Uh, in the MLS Super Draft. And well, a professional all, soccer player. <laughs> yes. Do we even... Okay, we'll get into this. They had two... And also, I just thought of this. MLS had two 2022 Super Drafts, if you think about it. Because I believe the draft last year was in January. And this, this draft was in December. So two drafts in the same year, and Minnesota United selects the, their own player, kind of, in the draft. I love this league. We'll get into it. Stick around. All right, we'll get back into the episode in just a minute. But first, of course, want to shout out our friends over at Ninth Street Soccer and Coffee, 801 South Ninth Street in Minneapolis is where you can find them. They're in the Marcy Holmes neighborhood, kind of right there between Dinky Town and Northeast. Very convenient to get to no matter where you are in the metro. And once you get there, if you enjoy playing soccer, well, they have pickup going on almost every night of the week. So if you want to be in an indoor, temperature-controlled environment, play and pick up. Ninth Street is the place for you. Also, if you're not maybe in soccer, but you love soccer, you want to be in a soccer environment, they have soccer on the TVs all day long when there's soccer on. They have a great coffee shop and bar area where you can enjoy, uh, you know, you can get your you can get your espresso fix, you can enjoy a great coffee, you can enjoy a nice tea if you want, or if you're feeling like you maybe you want to have a little, you know, it's five o'clock somewhere situation going on. You can enjoy a few of the brews that they have on tap. Beer from Uda Pills, Castle Danger, and so many more. So no matter what you're feeling, no matter what your interest is in regards to soccer, Ninth Street has you covered. If you're a work-from-home type, but you have the flexibility, or maybe you can work from a, a coffee shop like Ninth Street, it's a great place to go get some work done, watch some soccer on the TVs, and just be around other people who love soccer. So if that sounds good to you, check them out. 801 South Ninth Street in Minneapolis. Follow them on Twitter or Instagram at Ninth Street MPLS. That's N-I-N-T-H-S-T-R-E-E-T-M-P-L-S. Or hit them up online, NinthStreetMPLS.com. Huge thanks to the guys over at Ninth Street Soccer and Coffee for supporting this episode of 10,000 Pitches. Let's get back into it. All right, Minnesota United news to get to. Uh, it's been a couple weeks since we recorded and a few different things have happened. Of course, the MLS Super Draft, the second Super of 2022, uh, went down uh, just before just before Christmas. And Minnesota made, uh, I believe, two selections in the draft. The first being left back Ryan Jeeba with the 19th overall pick. He is a former Union Omaha defender. Um, he played a role in that club's U.S. Open Cup run, including that win over Minnesota United. This was also a Union Omaha team that just, like, they did not give up many. Like, they they were a great defensive team. They did not give, give up goals, pretty much. Um, and if you're a Ford Madison fan, you can attest to that. Uh, playing Union Omaha was like playing a brick wall at times. And Jeeba was very much part of that brick wall. So, um, not a, a college draft pick, but a uh, a 
a lower division draft pick from Minnesota United, if you will. And then with the 48th pick, <laughs> they select Emmanuel Leeway. Now, 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 I, I know, I understand the, the response to this is, is he's, he's plays with them in UFC too. Why do they have to draft him with the 48th pick? Well, that's because, it, and Jacob Schneider has, has blessings to Jacob Schneider. Bless this man, because he has gone so far to try to clear things up on MLS Next Pro and MLS contract stuff for people on Twitter. That should be like a full-time job, and he should be paid very well for that, that job. Uh, because it's it's very, very complicated. But I guess the thing is, Eway was an MNUFC 2 rostered player. And yeah. even though they are technically a reserve team for Minnesota United, he was not signed with Minnesota United. Therefore, yeah. it's almost the same as Ryan Jeeba with Union Omaha, that it's almost a separate entity. It's similar, but it's a separate team with a separate contract in a whole separate pot going on with Minnesota United. The only thing that connects them is that some MNUFC players can play down with MNUFC 2, but no MNUFC 2 rostered players can play with Minnesota United. Therefore, uh, in order to there, – there, I guess there are a few different ways that Minnesota could have gotten Eway on the main roster, but the way they decided to do it – was with the 48th pick in the super draft. Was this a good decision? Was this a terrible decision? We don't know. We probably won't know uh, for a little while here. But Eway did play 16 games for the Dubloons last season, two goals, two assists. Year was cut short due to, due to an injury. He did feature for the first team in the Everton friendly. Um, and prior to that, of course, anybody uh, you know in the lower league community soccer scene here in Minnesota, they know who Emmanuel Eway is. They know him for a long time. Um, St. Louis Park alum over 10 years uh, with the joy of the joy of the people, joy athletic development path, eventually playing for them in the NPSL in 2021. Also played two years at St. Cloud State as well before signing with them in UFC too. So um, local boy gets selected in kind of a weird way to Minnesota United. But um, this this kind of does make me excited for his future within this within the club and the squad. If they're willing to invest a second round pick in this guy. Um, that obviously means they they see some potential in him for the first team. Because if they, if they if they didn't, a he could have gotten drafted by somebody else. So they obviously see the value in keeping him around. But b you know, theoretically they could have just kept him as an M and UFC two player. But now he'll probably still play with them in UFC two. But they'll have the option, the ability to play him on the first team if if yeah. he earns that spot. Yeah, you know, a couple things to say. First of all, just on the note of both of these guys, I think this, and to be fair, it's possible that a version of this has happened in the last year or two and I just wasn't aware of it. But uh, I, I think this draft, and particularly Minnesota United's use of this draft, has kind of made people realize that the, the format, the, the way the MLS Super Draft works has not adapted to how things have changed in the structure of U.S. soccer since it took shape, since the Super Draft took shape. And so it, it literally doesn't function with the existence of MLS Nets Pro or, or USL Lead One in a way, which is a little bizarre. 
but obviously the, 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 the crux here is that both these guys played college within 2022, which makes them available. Um, and yeah, to your point, an MLS Nets pro contract is not the same as an MLS contract. Uh, and so, you know, technically could have gotten scooped up by someone else. Um, so it's a weird situation. Uh, with both these guys, though, I, I think it's they're, they're potentially worthwhile picks. With Eway, I think part of it is, you know, with a 48th pick, there's always if, if you're picking blindly with a 48th pick, there, there's a strong chance you're going to end up picking someone that doesn't play for you. Um, and so I suppose there's the rationale that you're better off using that pick to further secure somebody you already know you like, that you already mm-hmm. – you already kind of have it, you know, experience with. He already knows your system. He's already around. You just want to make sure that he stays around. Um, it's mm. a weird, it's a weird series of events. But at the end of the day, it's not that bad of a move. Uh, and and you know, we'll we'll talk more about overall sort of like the implications of local player opportunities through the rest of what we're going to talk about in this podcast. But for now, I'll just say that for him. It's a continuation of a great opportunity. He clearly impressed a lot of people with the time he did have with MNUFC2. Um, obviously, cut short a, a little bit at the end there with that injury, but otherwise, he, you know, a lot of people really across the board were impressed with him. Um, and, and so it's really great to see a guy that, you know, there, there's a lot of reasons that a person like Emmanuel Iwe wouldn't be getting these opportunities, ranging from all sorts of sort of deeper like demographic implications to the fact that he was playing D two ball, wasn't playing at a D one school. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so the fact that, you know, through all of that, um, and even the fact that, you know, he was developing with this joy program that was a little more experimental not necessarily like a obvious choice for someone that was trying to get picked in the super draft, so to say. Um, so yeah, the fact that, that through all of that, he's come out uh, now with, um, you know, more a more direct connection to an MLS team. The fact that his talents, by the way, are being kept in Minnesota um, is a really, really cool outcome and, and excited for him to continue to develop with the Loons. Yeah, it's, it's a cool story for him. I mean, the, the route he's gone, as you mentioned, Dom, it's not the, it's not the path that is like most common. You know, a lot of these guys are D1 players or they've played, they've featured prominently in a, in a prior, in a prominent lower league or scene for a while, like USL league one or whatever. Um, you know, they, they've, they're already some own name, at least from like a national sense from like a, a David Goss, if you will, who this guy is and how he's going to impact these teams and blah, blah, blah. Cause he's watched D1 tape on these guys. Uh, Iway is, is, is kind of a different breed where, he is come. He came up through, you know, like like you said, joy the people, kind of the, the local community soccer scene here in the Twin Cities, um, and it was it was very obvious watching him even two three years ago in the NPSL that like this guy's built different size wise. He is just he stands out on the pitch. Um, the movement wise, just effortlessly, the way he was able to do things. You could tell this is like a next level talent. How next level oh, yeah. talent didn't quite know at the time, didn't know necessarily what the ceiling was for him, but you knew it was it was it was more than the MPSL. No disrespect to the MPSL. Um, no, for sure. Yeah, yeah. And then he gets that opportunity 
opportunity with them in UFC 2. That shows how valuable this M and UFC 2 entity is for Minnesota United. Maybe why they should have been something similar sooner. Uh, but um, this, this just shows you that, you know, a, a guy that you can take a low risk, high reward chance on comes in, you know, does everything he needs to do to get himself not only on your radar for the second team, but the first team radar as well. And then he gets you given, uh, he gets the opportunity like this. Um, it's, it's really good to see. And hopefully we see more of this, more of this moving forward with this local talent um, getting opportunities locally. Yeah. Lord Masanvi signs with them in UFC two, two appearances for the Dubloons last season while signed to the U19 Academy team did score a goal. So for those keeping count at home, Loic Masanvi scored a goal in the U.S. Open Cup, the UPSL, the NPSL, USL League Two, and MLS Next Pro in 2022. Six different leagues this kid scored in in one calendar year. Pretty amazing. Actually, it was within like six or seven months. Uh, Not even a full calendar year. Uh, Within like a seven-month period. So to say that he's deserving of this next pro contract is 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 uh, doesn't necessarily do it justice. Um, but he scored it. Yeah, he scored in four different competitions for Minneapolis City. Um, did did everything he could do for that Minneapolis City program. Really pr- showed what what the futures program is made of uh, for Minneapolis City and the type of impact that it can have not only on their program before these kids that are in these programs that are in this program as well. Um, Lakeville South alum. Uh, played with Lakeville SC before joining Minneapolis City Futures. You know, this is a kid, what, uh, a year ago, maybe 18 months ago, who was, you know, playing Futures ball in the Futures League for Minneapolis City. And then now he's an MLS Next Pro. That is a pretty wild, like, rapid ascent through through that program and now into Next Pro. But um, very deserving and... Everybody on MNUFC two is super high on him, um, and I mean, this kid's only—I believe he's still only eighteen. He might be nineteen at the time of recording, but at least at the very, at the very least, eighteen years old, and he is—I mean—making a name for himself, and that—that's really cool to see the futures program having this impact so soon, but then also for him taking that opportunity and running with it and doing everything he has to do to put himself on the map and work his way through in such a short time. Um, kudos to him. And, um, you know, with this ascent being so quick and so rapid, you almost feel like he's going to be on the field for, for the first team um, sooner rather than later. Now, again, I understand the contract situation, so maybe it'll be more 2024, but uh, would, not, would not surprise me if he continues that and um, either takes the field for the loons or makes them a lot of money in a transfer. One of the two. Yeah, no, I mean, the Lord Masanvi story, a story which I feel like is testing the very boundaries of how quickly a story can develop, uh, is, is yes. has been so wild to follow through this whole year. That I mean, yeah, where to start? Uh, first of all, and actually, by the way, this also applies to Emmanuel Yue. I, I didn't think of mentioning it, but with both of these guys, everything I every you you talk to people, you know, I. We, what we both do, we know a lot of people in various places in lower league soccer. And you talk to anybody, you talk to them. These are the nicest guys. They're great people. 
Um, yes. You know, yes. A good, good character, uh, which obviously, you know, is not required to be a professional athlete, but it's always good to know that, that the folks that are kind of making it over the line are, are, are people of, of good spirit, um, which is definitely the case with, with both these guys. Um, other, aside from that, yeah, to your point, you, you mentioned, you know, 18 months ago, whatever, 12 months ago, this dude was playing high school ball. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's crazy yes. how, yes. it's crazy how, um, how quickly he's gone from, you know, and, and by the way, Lakeville South is a good program. It's not like he was, you know, playing for some school in the woods, but you know, you go from playing high school ball for a good team uh, to having a really crazy summer. You're playing in all these different tournaments. You're playing the open cup. You're a game away mm-hmm. from playing a pro side. And, you know, obviously has a lot of fun with Minneapolis city and, all of a sudden you're you're not technically pro yet but you're in a professional team's academy <laughs> all of a sudden you're playing yeah. for a pro team that is an extent of that academy yeah you know, i mean the 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 rapid rise yeah to your point i think actually if you include every version of soccer that he played in the last like 18 months i think this guy scored in like nine competitions because <laughs> he also scored for the academy and he scored for his high yes, school that's true. So, uh, i didn't i forgot about that so it's at, it's at seven. It's at least seven different competitions. It is insane. Um, clearly so talented. Also, I mean, you know, clearly talented, but also in a place right now where I'm not even sure what his talent level is because there's so much development and experience to still be earned. The ceiling is potentially way higher. Um, but, yeah, I mean, with both these guys, and we're going to talk about some some other players as well, um, local connected players after this but with these two guys again it, it's uh, as, as a person that has spent a lot of time connected to this sort of lower league side of of the game here in the state and and now a lot with high school as well um it is so phenomenally wonderful to see uh guys getting these opportunities and a lot of, and what's really actually what's really wonderful is that the guys that are getting them in the cases like Iwe and Masambi with all due respect are guys that on paper, the way things work in this country probably shouldn't be getting them. Not shouldn't in the sense they don't deserve, but shouldn't in the sense that the system is not particularly designed to benefit them. And the fact that you got these guys who come from immigrant backgrounds, who are going to, you know, high schools, they're not going to some prep, you know, preparatory thing that is, you know, designed to pump money into these things. They're going to normal high schools. They're playing for local clubs. And uh, in in, in Iwe's case, going to a D2 college. In Masambi's case, he is yet to go to college. Um, And uh, and they're getting these opportunities. It is so crazy. It's so wonderful. Uh, So, I mean, again, congratulations to both of them. Couldn't deserve it more. And I, I definitely look forward to seeing what he can do with a sort of a full year to grow in, in a professional program. Obviously, he sort of ended 2022 with uh, a period of opportunity with, with the Academy and, and, and UFC 2. But, you know, it was a kind of a, a, a last part of his story for that year. And so I, I look forward to seeing what he can do with a proper sort of full season um, in that team. But, yeah, again, just, I mean, congratulations to him on, on – what has to be one of the most eventful years a a soccer player has probably ever had um, for his age, particularly. 
And uh, again, looking forward to what both these guys can do uh, with 2023. I've learned a lot of things since starting this podcast two and a half years ago now. It's hard to believe it's been two and a half years. Um, one of those things is there are some absolute diamonds in the rough as far as yeah. talent goes, uh, and not only here locally, but in this country, I have to imagine that it's the same in a lot of other places in this country as well. Not just, not just here in the twin cities or in Minnesota. Um, and I, I, I think back to what Zlatan Ibrahimovic said in a, in an interview, I can't remember if it says this week or last week, or if it was a while ago and it just started making the rounds about how, you know, when he was in just how expensive it is to get into an academy or get into any sort of uh, youth soccer program um, in the United States, especially relative to other countries like Italy or like uh, other places in Europe uh, that he's been in as well. Um, So to see guys like Iwe and Masanvi who didn't necessarily take that route, maybe they did to an extent, but not, not that path that we have sort of, grown accustomed to say okay if you want to play pro soccer in this country you have to take this path um it seems like maybe there are some different paths that are starting to show up in different places that these 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 scouting departments can look for talent and for players um you can play high school ball and still play pro soccer it seems uh now so you know it's it's cool to see that happening and i hope that trend continues and i hope that bar to entry gets lower um because just talking talking to people in this that's what a lot of people are invested in um and i hope that that hard work continues to pay dividends and continues to come to fruition um and guys like eway and and masanvi are are sort of spitting images of the of what that can yield you notice we didn't talk too much about the first round pick ryan g but that's because we are kind of uh gonna save that for 10k stoppage time that is our bonus episode uh this week a little bit more in depth eli hoft wrote a great piece on jiba for sodasoccer.com a little film room of film study on him if you will and uh we will kind of do the the audio version of that if you will on this week's edition of 10k stoppage time so make sure you're checking us out at patreon.com slash sodasoccer for that we're not done with minnesotans being drafted in the super draft, because my goodness, we talked about Minneapolis City with Masanvi, but holy cow, um, Minneapolis City alumni galore in this draft. I I don't know if I just wasn't paying enough attention. Maybe if I've taken my uh, attention a little bit away with it being the off season in the winter, whatever. I I, I don't know if I anticipated this. Um, I thought I thought maybe Endley. Um, but I did not, I did not see uh, a lot of these other ones coming and that's not to say they weren't deserving. That's probably more my, uh, not paying enough attention, if you will. Uh, but it, it started with FC Dallas picking forward Herbert Endley from Indiana university with the 24th pick of the first round. Uh, Endley is a Tino Grace alum who played for Minneapolis United at the youth level. He later played with city in 2022 made three appearances and scored a goal for them. If you remember, he made uh he made big news uh, two years ago when he scored for Indiana university to send them to the uh, national championship uh, a couple of years ago. So um, yeah, he is, he's getting his shot and that's really good to see. And I mean, what, what better uh, program for him organization to go into than FC Dallas. Right. So um, hopefully that, that means big things for him in the future. 
Um, Columbus Crew pick defender uh, Xavier Zenge with the uh, 27th pick. He went to Dayton. Uh, he's a North Oaks native, Moundsview alum, made four appearances for the Crows in the USL League Two this past season. And then uh, Rory O'Driscoll is going to be joining a couple of other Minnesotans at Nashville SC because he was selected from the uh, you know, officially from the University of New Hampshire with the 78th pick of the draft. Of course, um, you have uh, you have Luke Hawkinson, former uh, Minneapolis City guy. There, you have Eric Miller, uh, who I believe is still contracted there. And then um, you know you, you have you have some others. Um, you know, and this, there are Minnesotans spread out now throughout MLS. I mean, it kind of started with Caden Clark and then um, it's kind of expanded from there. Um, so it's good to see more of uh, more of that talent um, coming in. But um, for O'Driscoll, let's go over his, uh, his resume here. 2016-17 season, he was the leading scorer of MTA in their U15 and 16 team before playing up with the 17s and 18s and the 18s and 19s. Um, he's a five-time state tournament champion with Minneapolis United. And he is uh, one of the more seasoned Minneapolis City players in their young ten, young ten years of club as well. So, um, you know that that's one of them I, I did not expect personally. O'Driscoll, um, just because you know he's he's just been with that Minneapolis City system for, for so long. Um, but um, really cool for him to get that opportunity. That's four crows getting drafted when you had Masanvi in there in the 2022 draft. Uh, a, a real testament to what they've wanted to do, right? I mean, they kind of, you know, they, they started as a club who was just kind of in the NPSL and kind of kind of trying to cover uh, what was left over from Minneapolis or excuse me, Minnesota United going from the lower leagues to um, to MLS. Uh, Minneapolis City sort of started just trying to kind of fill that void. And then it really grew and expanded from there. And then two years ago, they decided to launch their futures program. And we see the, the, the yield from that already. And then now they, then last year they go to USL league two, which is more path to pro. And then you see the talent from there that has taken that next step to the professional level and not only the professional level, but the, the top flight of professional soccer in this country. Um, really i mean to say is really cool just sounds like such an understatement it is it is sort of changing the landscape of soccer in minnesota and the way people view the players that come out of this state as legitimate professional prospects i think people are i mean i think i think minnesota has kind of been seen as a bit of a hotbed before but i think that hotbed has turned into something that is absolutely scorching um it's and I think this is sort of a I think we'll look at this in three or four years and say that was a pivot point for Minnesota soccer. That was a that was a time where we said not only does is Minnesota United making waves as a professional soccer club, but man, we are seeing soccer players from this country everywhere now, or soccer players yeah. from the state, excuse me, everywhere now across MLS and maybe even beyond. Really cool. Yeah. Um I have I I have like a lot to like a lot to add. <laughs> this is gonna be the part Let's where I say it. a lot. Um, yeah, I mean, first of all, uh, obviously, just uh, agree that um, you know all of this uh, uh, is is a great um, endorsement of of the work that Minneapolis City are doing and, and the Futures Program are doing. Of course, with with all these players that have all these different connections, um, uh, uh, benefiting from them, and 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 now. 
uh, getting drafted and, and, you know, assumedly starting their pro careers very soon after that. Um, you know, I'll throw a, a big shout to, to Minneapolis United as well. Two of these players are, are connected yeah. to them. Uh, and and a, a big shout out to the, the high schools these guys went to and, and, and for O'Driscoll for um, MTA in his case. Um, you know, we, we mentioned this uh, with, with Eway and, um, and um, Masanvi, but again, like, let's just be clear, like the way, the way the system is set up in this country for soccer is not one, it's not set up in a way that uh, uh, sets up Totino Grace players to be going pro. Like it, it's yeah, just not, right. it's just not with all due respect. I mean, I'm, I, I covered their conference there and I, I with all due respect to them. That is not the system that is in place. And the same goes for Mountain View, by the way, that's just not the way it's set up. Um, so the fact that, we're seeing guys that are playing like high school ball in Minnesota, um, getting these opportunities. And of course, then they're, they're, they're benefiting from the experiments and, and the projects that are being put together by all these different clubs. And it's really wonderful to see. I was the, the night this happened, the, the, the night of the draw, which was now like a week ago. Um, I was really, you know, the draw, uh, including Iwe, and then of course the Masambi news, all of that combined, I was feeling really um, positive. You know, I was really enjoying what I was seeing, and I was thinking about why it stood so it stood out so much to me. Because you know, at the end of the day, uh, you know, obviously I care about Minnesota soccer, but like I, I was really enjoying this news, and I'm not like a, a fan slash you know, as in fan in the stands. I like these people, but fan in the stands for like joy athletic or Minneapolis city. But I was feeling like this really like deep emotional response. I was thinking about why is that? And this, this two weeks or whatever that all this has happened um, is like the most I've ever seen what we're seeing here. And what I mean by, what I mean by that is, and of course, like, you know, you mentioned Luke Hawkinson, for example, who was kind of a small version of this, obviously a little while back now. And that was really wonderful. But, you know, I, I care a lot about lower elite soccer. That's kind of was my doorway to, you know, obviously collaborating with you and, and the podcast and, and all that. That's my thing, I guess. And for a long time, uh, the guys that went pro from, you know, the lower league scene here, whether that be the NPSL North or the UPSL as that eventually formed, um, USL League 2 is kind of new to the point where there's not much history there, but, you know, whatever, the various leagues. Um, a lot of the guy, well, really all the guys that went pro with the exception of Hawkinson now or more, or more recently were guys that it was really cool that they were part of the history of, of, of the soccer scene in Minnesota. But at the end of the day, they weren't Minnesotan, they weren't projects of, or, or not projects. They weren't the result of Minnesotan soccer, um, you know, whether that be, and, and these are old guys, by the way, that I have great admiration for. I think it's so cool that they interacted with the Minnesota soccer scene. Uh, the ones that I know are great guys. The ones I don't know, I've heard are great guys. But, you know, you think of, uh, you know, Med City, uh, Claudio Repetto is an example. He plays in the USL Championship now. He's played for a couple teams. He's an Italian forward that played for one season with Med City. You think of Duluth players like Damia Vieter, who obviously had a great 2022, made the Open Cup final. It's from Spain. Uh, Donnie Bentals was a Duluth veteran who was Israeli, uh, ended up playing in Nisa. 
uh, all these kinds of dyes. You think of, you know, Brandon Bai, who uh, I, I know sometimes people consider a Minnesota native, but he was not. You know, he was from Michigan. He played. He's adopted. He's, a, he's an adopted Minnesotan, Dom. He, well, let me put, and, and by the way, this, this like 10 seconds of what I'm about to say is probably going to set some people, but I promise you, you're going to like what I say afterwards. I'm going to compliment Minneapolis City a lot in this conversation. But Brandon Bai pushed the, pushed the boundaries of, of Minneapolis City's rules for domestic players. He came here for an internship for one summer and he played three games for them. He, I mean, he, you know, he was not a Minnesotan. Um, there are, you know, I, 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 I've seen other, other clubs in the MPSL North get criticized for players that were here a lot longer than Brandon Bai. Um, but that being said, it's really cool that he was here. I, I, and it's really cool that he was a part of the history of the MPSL North and Minneapolis City. What I love about what I'm seeing now, <laughs> to get to the point, and by the way, Minneapolis City players being at the forefront of it, is the MPSL North is finally doing what it was supposed to do, which is, and, and actually let me include the UPSL, obviously, and, and, and USL League 2 in that. Uh, lower League Soccer in Minnesota is doing what it was supposed to do. It is benefiting Minnesotan players and providing opportunities for them. And not just Minnesotan players, but like we said before, if you look at this draft, and I, I know I'm kind of being a dead horse here a little bit, but I, I just want to make sure people appreciate this point. There's what, we're, so we're talking about five guys if you include the Masambi news. Um, in this group of five guys, almost all but one of them played high school ball over uh, club development ball. We're talking multiple people of immigrant backgrounds. We're talking mostly black players. We're talking about people that fundamentally, again, are not the, the way things are set up. It's not supposed to go this way. And they're breaking the mold and they're yeah. creating opportunities for themselves, putting the work in. I mean, these guys worked their asses off to get where they're getting. And they did it at high schools that aren't supposed to produce pro players. Uh, St. Louis Park is not supposed to produce pro players in the perspective of American soccer. That is not a thing that's supposed to happen. As much as I'd love for it to be the case, that's not the case. Same goes for all the other high schools we mentioned. Um, and, and by the way, it's not like MTA kids just go pro every year either. Uh, you know, the, We're talking about guys that have had to climb insurmountable odds and Part of how that's worked out is one, the continued development of the high school scene, the continued development of uh, the youth scene, but it is also the work that's put in by clubs like Minneapolis City and Joy Athletic, in this particular case, those two, who are putting, uh, walking the walk, not just talking the talk, and giving players opportunities, and in City's case, the opportunity to play in a really, really prominent league like USO League Two. Uh, and we're seeing guys get opportunities that just aren't being handed to them in any other case that is mm -hmm. so phenomenal that is so wonderful to see and i'm so happy that it's that it's finally happening in a way that feels these five guys make me feel like there's going to be five more guys next year yep and that exactly. feeling has never been a feeling i've had before when a, a player does well after leaving the lower league scene or you know does well in high school um that is a new feeling for people that are paying attention at this level of the game. Feeling like there's going to be five more of these guys in 2023 or 2024. Mm -hmm. um, that is, and you were talking about this a little bit too, like that is, uh, uh, that is a change to, to 
that that is almost like an era like change to what we're looking at in Minnesota, that we're finally getting to a point where that talent is getting, you don't have to, and you know, I'm, I'm going to mention some places. This is not at all a dig on them. These are wonderful organizations, but you don't, we're seeing, you don't have to be from a super established family going to MTA or Shattuck St. Mary's or whatever to go pro. You can be going to a local high school, maybe not a high school that's in a, you know, statistically an area that you're expected to succeed. And you can maybe have a chance that you put the work in and you have the talent. That is a really important chapter to enter in the game here. And it's a chapter that Minnesota has brutally failed to enter at many levels for many years. Um, and so, you know, the, while I'd love for all these guys to be playing for Minnesota United or something like that, obviously it's like too bad the way things work. It's just people kind of thrown around a little bit by like the draft system. The fact is that the fact that they're going to be pros at all, whether they all sign for their drafted teams or maybe they end up, you know, sometimes people get moved around or loaned out or whatever it is. The fact that they've made that leap, they're way better off in, in, in their dreams of being pros than they were before. Um, that is so, one, like you said, unexpected. I did not expect this, a level of this to happen this year. And it's just like so fundamentally great. Um, I hope mm-hmm. that people, you know, people, there are people that listen to this podcast that aren't fans of those two teams, for example. Um, I hope that they, you know, whatever feelings they have about those teams, understand like how awesome this is, that this is happening, this opportunity is being presented to these guys. Um, and, and I hope that people who support, you know, say an NPSL team or a USLD2 team, I hope that they can understand like how exciting this is for them, for their teams. The fact that like this work is like at this point, kind of like almost like a 10 year rejuvenation of lower league soccer in Minnesota is getting to the point where it's helping put together this network from the high schools, from youth, from, from uh, adult amateur to give people opportunities to get through the door. These are five guys that now have a future doing their passion. And at least mm-hmm. in most cases, at least half of them shouldn't have those hopes. At least half of them shouldn't have any hope of, of this working out for them. Um, and, and so again, like it's just as a person that spent a lot of time sitting at high school stadiums, watching NPSL games, <laughs> um, yep. it, it's, it's, and by the way, you mentioned Eway. I remember the first time I watched Emmanuel Eway. It was Duluth FC hosted them. I think Joy had played like two games already, but it was the first time I'd seen him play. It was 2021. And everybody I was around, which included other Duluth FC staff people, I was on the staff at the time before I joined uh, you guys, uh, were like, who the hell is that guy? (laughs) There were oohs and ahs when he was on the ball. Literal oohs and ahs. The I think I watched two two games of his. I, I went yeah. uh, one time against Minneapolis City, and then there was another one. I cannot remember who he, who they played, but um, there yeah, literal oohs and ahs in the crowd. What he was yeah. doing on the on the field, um, yeah. Um, anyway. Yeah, I I promise this will be over soon. But my last thing on that note is he, here here's my way of, of of illustrating to people the change that feels like is happening. When I saw him, and I think Duluth won that game, but it was very close. It was like 4-3, and I think he scored. Maybe assisted a goal as well. When I saw him 
playing very well. And everyone's talking about him. It was, I think it was 2021. And uh, I don't think at the time I knew he played for St. Cloud. And maybe, maybe I looked that up. Uh, this was all happening during the game. But he's very impressive, you know, and, and we're talking about that. And in the back of my head, you know, 2021, I'd already been kind of involved in the scene for like four years. In the back of my head, the other thing I'm thinking while I'm thinking how impressive it is, is it's too bad he's not going to go anywhere. It's too bad that that guy's probably not going to yeah. go anywhere because I'd spent years watching guys play in games like Duluth FC versus Joy Athletic and seeing guys that I knew were so good. Um, and no, and, and then they didn't, nothing, you know, they didn't get any opportunities and, and they probably deserved one, but they didn't get one. And I mean, I'm talking a list that is miles long from every yeah. team I'm talking. I mean, you know, I'll throw for the sake of throwing names, you know, the, the Kyle Ferrars, the Brown brothers of the world, guys that were mm. unbelievable to watch, but you know, nothing, you know, they never got over that line. So I'm watching Manuel Iway. I'm very impressed, but in the back of my head, I'm going, it's too bad that this is probably about it. He's probably going to go and play college more. And then, you know, who knows? The fact that I, mm. I've never been happier to be wrong. <laughs> I yeah. usually hate being wrong. Yeah. I've never been happier to be wrong. Um, and, and I'm glad, by the way, that I wasn't just wrong about him. I mean, not that I had that exact thought about these city players, but, you know, I also didn't expect them to get drafted. So the, the fact that I miscalculated the opportunities that were on the way uh, is, is amazing. I'm, I'm so glad. Mm-hmm. Um, and I hope that that cont- I, I hope that I continue to be even more wrong. I hope that <laughs> I, I hope that, you know, this just grows and grows. And mm-hmm. one day Minnesota moves players around just like any other damn state that has people that like soccer. Um, because it's all here. The passion, the player, the talents, the numbers, it's all here. Unfortunately, it hasn't been treated and respected properly. And the fact yeah. that that is changing ever so slightly, it's slow, I'm not saying it's solved. But ever so slightly, and of course, you have great programs like Seoul, the cities out there and all that kind of stuff, doing their own work, changing things. But the fact that the progression is, is visibly happening, I can see it happening. I can see the money following it happening um, yeah. is something that uh, Dominic in 2019 would not have believed if I had told him. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, or 2020 or whatever. So. Yeah, I know that was a lot, but I really, I really am really happy for these guys. And I really hope everybody else is really happy for these guys. I think that yeah. I understand that to some people, this looks like just a bunch of guys got drafted, whatever that happens every year. But I fundamentally feel like what I'm seeing here is um, an adjustment that needed to happen and that I kind of assumed wouldn't happen. And uh, yeah, I'm just so happy and I'm, I'm happy for the city fans that get to know that like these guys that they you know put their money towards and supported and their time towards that they get to know like hey these guys are going to be in mls and by the way a couple years down the road they might be able to go watch Lord masambi play for minnesota united uh, mm-hmm. i can't even imagine what that would feel like so yeah i mean it, it, it's just I, I i think that even though you know it's just a couple moves and and what you know 
a lot of yet to be determined. I think that it's a wonderful moment for for the lower league scene. I think it's a wonderful moment for for the, you know, obviously Minneapolis City, for youth teams like like Minneapolis United, and for all these high schools that now can say they have a pro soccer player as an alum, which I promise you none of those coaches were expecting <laughs> to be able to say anytime soon. Um, it's just all around. It's so awesome. We opened this podcast with very sad news, and I'm very sad about that news. But this news is great news. This is happy news. And uh, I, I, I can't wait to see what all these guys do. And I can't wait to see this look like nothing in like five years when like double the number of people get drafted. Um, so I'm going to end my tirade there. But that's, that's, that's my two cents that was not two cents. More like 50 cents uh about about older <laughs> and as always i'm gonna follow up your your well thought out highly intelligent heartfelt tirade with something that might be a truly dumb observation but i'm gonna make it anyways <laughs> can we just keep in mind that like this is all happening in a state where you can really only play outdoor soccer like five months a year oh yeah you know like, absolutely you can't play that's your another reason here. that's another obstacle yeah. right it's not a place yeah. that is very helpful with the sport yeah absolutely no it's not California, Texas, Florida, you know, any place where you can you literally play outdoor year round without any disruptions. Um, there's a lot of disruptions in Minnesota, even in, even in May, when you think you're good and you're oh, in PSL seasons coming right around the corner. Nope. So snowstorm. Sorry. You're playing your orange ball today on May 12th. Yeah. Sorry. Um, but you know, that's what it is. And I think it's one of those things that kind of makes it unique, but I also, I, I think it, you know, and in some ways I think it, it, it might help in a way kind of, um, you know, help these guys deal with more adversity and, you know, pressure makes diamonds and the more adversity you face, sometimes the better you are for it. So, um, yeah, I don't even know how to translate from that to top four, <laughs> but it's, uh, it's just, Anyways, it's amazing. <laughs> Yeah, uh, we're talking some more really dumb stuff. But uh, anyways, very, very cool. Congrats to Minneapolis City, that organization. Congrats to all the guys who have gotten drafted. Um, congrats to the teams that are now getting this talent as well. Um, I think everybody will be better off for it. All right, another small, small break. Top four is coming up. That's how we'll wrap up the podcast. Stick around. We will get back into the episode in just a quick minute, but uh, of course you've heard us talk about Pence Holmes numerous times, not only here on the 10,000 Pitches podcast, but also on the Saloons postgame show during the Minnesota United season as well. And the reason why we are so grateful for Pence Holmes support is it's so rare to find a local business like Pence Holmes who is so committed to helping support the local Minnesota soccer community. And that's what Nate Pence and his team have really shown um, especially over these last few years. You know, they're sponsoring Minneapolis City Soccer Club. They're sponsoring Minnesota Aurora FC. Um, Nate Pence is huge into supporting Minnesota United as well, among other local soccer organizations and entities. Soda Soccer included, and 10,000 Pitches included. So if you want to look at a business that's supporting the local soccer community but can also do a damn good job of helping you buy a new home, sell your current home, or do both at the same time, look no further 
than Nate Pence and the team at Pence Homes. P-E-N-T-Z Homes.com is the website. Go there right now. If you're in or around Minneapolis and St. Paul and you are kind of in that process of thinking about selling your home or buying a new home or doing both, which is super stressful, um, I highly recommend you go to PenceHomes.com and just check out their reviews. Don't take it from me. Take it from the hundreds and hundreds of people who have done business with Nate Pence and his team. It's probably thousands of people at this point, but the hundreds of reviews that they have over at PenceHomes.com from people who have actually worked with Nate and worked with the team and have had such a great experience. You can have that experience as well. P-E-N-T-Z-Homes.com. Or if I have sold you here, just email Nate directly. Nate, N-A-T-E, at PenceHomes.com. Huge thanks again to Pence Homes for supporting Soda Soccer and the 10,000 Pitches podcast. Let's get back into the show. Okay, it is top four time. It's how we wrap up every podcast. And of course, this is no different. Uh, Each of us kind of pick two non-Minnesota soccer related stories, or maybe they're Minnesota soccer related, but just didn't fit into the regular rundown of the podcast that we want to get to. Um, And I'm going to go ahead and kick us off, Dom, if you don't mind. Um, This is interesting because it does impact forward Madison, if you are a Mingos fan. Um, The USL announced today that it's uh, effectively... Um, dis, uh, discontinuing its relationship with the with Pro in 2023. Pro is the professional referees organization. They are the ones who um, you know um, train and assign the referees for MLS and before now UL, um, and I believe they do the NWSL as well. Um, ban options for professional soccer officials in in the u.s but the usl has decided that they um that through a collective bargaining agreement that they basically are, are not going to move forward and that the training fees for the refs was was too steep for the usl so they're going to other sources for refereeing services including assignment of the matches such as u.s soccer or other local assignors now my initial thought for this is I don't, I, I don't want to say I don't know how it can get worse, the officiating in the USL, but but it's, it's, it might be a careful what you wish for type thing. So I don't necessarily want to say that. I will say, though, it's become very obvious that Pro was using USL as sort of like a training ground for less experienced referees. And they they might, you know, they if they want to come out in a statement and say that wasn't the case, that's fine. But it, it was becoming very obvious that's what they were doing. Because if you watch the Ford Madison match or any USL match, especially League One, very inconsistent, oftentimes frustrating officiating in these matches. And you kind of just got callous to it if you're a League One fan, because like, okay, this is what it is. We're gonna have like three or four truly egregious calls in this match. And that's just what it is. That's that's the I guess the the price you pay for being at the bottom of the of the professional pyramid in the U.S. So in one sense, I'm like, okay, if this helps improve, and if whether it's U.S. soccer or maybe they'll take it a little bit more seriously and use some of their better officials or referees or assign better referees to these matches, then that's 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 great. I think that's a positive. I I don't know sources these other entities would have or what they if they would put any more intentionality or effort into making sure that season experienced quality officials are going to be refereeing 
these second and third tier matches? I, I don't, I don't know the answer to that question. That's a question I have. I will say though, it, I was not happy with the officiating that we've seen in USL up to this point. Is it going to get better? I, I through this, I don't know. I we're very, very early on, so I have no idea, but um, yeah, kind of, kind of interesting that USL is going to take that step. I mean, many people have been calling for MLS to dump pro for years, uh, but it's kind of one of those things like what's the alternative to, right? You could get FIFA referees, I guess for MLS, but I think that's going to cost the league an arm and a leg um, to do. Um, so I, I don't know. Interesting news. We'll, we'll see what happens, I guess, depending on what happens that could affect what MLS does in the future too. But um, yeah, I don't know. Thoughts, Dom, any thoughts? Uh, yeah. I mean, like you said, there, there's obviously been a lot of um, uh, negative thought, uh, opinions of, of pro. And so I, I suppose the, 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 the sense or the idea that an organization would kind of retaliate through the, uh, because of that, I, I guess is, is not too surprising. It does feel a little bit like um, not un not unexplored territory, but just you know, it's one of those things like you were kind of alluding to. It's like I guess the next step in this process is a little vague in terms of what it's going to look like, and that's maybe concerning. That being said, you know, I mean, if if an organization is not up to par. Uh, with the referees it's providing and at least some people's opinions and I know a lot of people felt that way uh, I su- you know I suppose it's a league's job to do something about that so you know uh, maybe this will result in some sort of improvement to your point also it might end up opening a can of worms uh, but uh, yeah it'll be really interesting to see what refereeing looks like in the USL obviously this this coming year um, in terms of, first of all, just who is literally providing it and all that kind of stuff, but but also, you know, is there a noticeable change in sort of the quality of the of the calls and 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 the refereeing of games? Uh, that that's to be seen. But uh, it's very interesting to see a a lead sort of take this kind of stand um, on this issue, which is you two know, leagues. I mean, obviously, yeah, two right, right, two leagues, and a whole organization, a multi-league organization. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I mean, it, it's it feels a little bit like unexplored territory, but it'll be really interesting to see what the what that looks like. Um, right, my, my my uh, first top four will be. You mentioned this already, but I'm just gonna uh, at the top, the top of the show. You mentioned this, but I'm just gonna sort of call back to it quick and re- and remind people talk a little bit about uh, the the new article that I had had out. I, I probably like a week ago now, or um, several days before this comes out. Um, which is about uh, the St. Paul Blackhawks and their move to the UPSL. Um, talked to uh, to two people, uh, Carter Albrecht, uh, who um, uh, was previously the Valora uh, FC head, head coach, and now he's going to be the head coach for the Blackhawks. He's also been a coach within the Blackhawks organization for, for years. Uh, and I also talked to, uh, I believe his title is the executive director, uh, Victor uh, Adamchek, uh, one of the big leadership uh, or leaders rather um, in that organization had a great conversation with both of them talking about why the UPSL, why 2023, um, all that sort of stuff. And, and they had a lot of great feedback. So I, I really suggest um, checking that out. I, the story for me was particularly of interest. The thing that sort of really grabbed me at first um, 
was was the fact that you know this is going to provide St. Paul proper with um, a representative at this level, which is something that really hasn't really been there um, mm-hmm. for for years now. The closest St. Paul really had to a representative at this level was VSLT, which were based in St. Paul and played in the NPSL North. Um, they left the MP- NPSL North after 2018. Um, and so, you know, the capital city of, of the state has, hasn't really had a, a presence. Uh, obviously, there's been players from St. Paul and that sort of thing, but um, the actual city of St. Paul has, has kind of been vacant. So um, I think it's really interesting that, you know, we're going to have a representative of the capital back in a prominent league at the lower, lower league level. And it's also part of this organization, St. Paul Blackhawks, that are historied. Uh, the original organization is from the 50s. The, the sort of youth club that people know now was sort of formed in the 80s. Um, and yeah, so it's, it's, it's just a really interesting little development in this part of the, of the Minnesota soccer scene. And uh, both those guys were really great to talk to. So I suggest uh, checking out the uh, article and then also just looking into the team as well and, and learning more about them. But uh, yeah, so that'll be my first off. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a cool story. And as you mentioned, I think the more local representation we can get in those leagues and those conferences and the more we can expand that, I think the better off everybody's going to be for it. And we see, you know, through the conversation that we were having earlier, the type of uh, type of talent that can be coming out of there. So um, my, my final top four news story here, I thought this is kind of funny. Uh, I know Messi's dorm room he stayed in during the World Cup will be turned into a museum by Qatar University because, of course, <laughs> they're going to take something and try to monetize it. That's Qatar for you. But uh, so, yeah, that's I think it's also kind of interesting that the Argentine team won the World Cup and they stayed in dorms uh, during the World Cup. I think that was interesting. But um, in any case, um, yes, he stayed in a dorm room during the World Cup. Um and now that dorm room is going to be turned into a museum by the college. Um, I don't know how that's going to work because it's a very small space. I can like, like you would have to probably like book a time to go there because they're not just going to open it up to anyone and have like right. 500 people trying to enter this dorm room, you know? So I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I'm not too, I'm not up on the the logistics of, of how they're going to do that. But Hey, if you're going back to Qatar anytime soon, which I can't imagine many people around the world are like, you know what? I got to go back to Qatar. Um, <laughs> then you can go visit the Lionel Messi Museum, which is really just a dorm room that he stayed in. Uh, all right, Dom, hit us with your final top four. Yeah, shout out. Shout out to dorm rooms. Um, shout out to Qatar and Qatari dorm rooms. Um, my, uh, <laughs> my, uh, my last top four is actually, in a way, it's kind of just a quick note on the World Cup. I just wanted to express something. You know, obviously the Nets World Cup, which is going to be you know the, the North American joint hosted World Cup, it's going to be the first World Cup with the new uh, expansion uh, to uh, what I think is forty eight teams, um, and uh, and you know that's been a very controversial move. Um, there's probably going to be a change in format because of that as well, and that that's been controversial. And I, I just thought it was interesting that, you know, right before the, the world, the last World Cup of the pre, all of the uh, previous format, I, I think we saw um, an example of why the format needed changing. And that was how well Morocco did. Um, I know that, you know, teams have make runs and that doesn't always indicative of, of a broader fact. Uh, but 
you know, in this World Cup, you saw teams from uh, uh, non-European continents, let's particularly say Asia and Africa, really stand out. You know, Japan, Morocco, um, you know, even teams like Tunisia and Saudi Arabia had amazing sort of bright moments in the tournament. And uh, I, I think that, I hope, makes people understand the good side of the way the World Cup is changing. I understand that there's people that are always going to be sort of um, concerned about FIFA's uh, interest in making money. And that's obviously a factor. I am not a fan, any more a fan than anyone else of the institution of FIFA. Uh, but what is great about the World Cup expanding, particularly the way they're doing it, is that it's going to be allocating more spots to non-European continents, yep. um, which frankly are insanely underrepresented in the World Cup. Insanely 100%. underrepresented, uh, underrepresented, and by the way, the the system that was in place for you know the Qatar World Cup, the Russia World Cup, the last couple of World Cups is the most beneficial system that's ever been in place for those continents, and it was still a horribly yeah. underrepresented system. I mean, yeah. as recently as like the fifties and sixties, there were World Cups where like one African team went to the World Cup. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, a stat that came up that sort of I thought about was uh, CAF, the African Federation, has 54 members. UEFA, the European Federation, has 55 members. So there's one, one nation difference. UEFA, in the previous system, gets 13 spots. CAF gets five. They get about yep. a third of the spots, and they have one less member. And you know, you say that, and of course, a lot of people's first reactions would be like, well, yeah, but aren't all those countries going to, aren't those like random countries that aren't going to have any good players, blah, 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 blah. Not really. When you look at the uh, teams that almost made the cup for this World Cup, Riyad Mahrez is Algeria, Mo Salah is mm. Egypt, Nigeria, which are like always good when they make the World Cup. There's a mm. lot of good countries that miss out by this much because for some reason Africa has five spots. Uh, yep. So the fact that a lot of the, you know, Asia, Africa, North America, all these, um, well, North America is going to be a whole other thing because they're hosting. But, um, you know, the fact that these continents are getting a chance to be, be better represented, I think is a wonderful thing. And I hope that, like the Morocco story as an example, makes people understand that while they are more than welcome to have problems with FIFA as an organization and the way they run things and the way they make money, there is a good side to welcoming more countries from outside of Europe to the World Cup. Um, and so I hope that people sort of are able to to find that positive takeaway in the midst of obviously some negative stuff that is out there, justifiably. Because um, that, you know, you look at a World Cup, this World Cup, won by a South American team, fourth place, an African team who made history getting that far. I think it's a good reflection of the fact that it's important that the World Cup be designed to be fair to, you know, everybody or as many people as possible. Um, so... I, I just wanted to throw that out there that I was uh, really encouraged by by how those teams did and I, and I hope that uh, it sort of influences the way people think about the expansion. Yeah, I mean, and talk about South America too. You know, my from a just a personal perspective. So my wife is adopted from Paraguay, okay. and you know, without this expansion, there's probably little to no chance she ever sees Paraguay play in the World Cup. Sure. But this expansion actually gives them uh gives them i mean it's not a guarantee but 
there's there's a there's a greater likelihood of that happening and you know not only do more teams get in but put you know we want to more it puts more teams in the hunt too like it really really i think it's going to make that qualifying cycle a lot more interesting for these countries now obviously us mexico and canada don't have to worry about it uh but uh and nor would they even if they were already uh, if they weren't hosting with the expansion, but I think you're going to see a lot of these, these smaller countries that normally wouldn't even consider themselves to have, have a remote chance actually looking at this and saying, Oh, we, we might, we might be able to do this. And I think that's really cool. And I think there's going to be some really awesome stories that come from the qualifying cycle for 2026, for sure. um, that are going to, uh, going to, going to make a lot of, uh, big news and, um, I'm really interested to see how that looks as we move forward sure. into that. One more, one more quick thing. The best, right. part, of the, the best yeah. part of this expansion is that the OFC officially has a confirmed spot now. <laughs> oh, so new, yes. So New Zealand, or I guess unless someone else gets it, but New Zealand will finally get to go to the World Cup without having to worry about losing one game after winning one 10 game. in a row. One game. Oh. It is the most oh, ridiculous amazing. thing that they didn't yeah. have a confirmed spot as an entire federation of FIFA. And I'm so glad. It'd be hilarious, by the way, if uh, if uh, if someone else gets it and New Zealand doesn't get it. But, uh, you know, New Zealand, <laughs> every, every cycle, New Zealand win like 20 games. And then they lose one game to like Peru. And then they're just out of the World yeah. Cup. And Rico. finally... Yeah. Uh, the good people of New Zealand will get to play in a World Cup again, probably. probably. So I just want to throw Amazing. out that that is, that is a very important update to the World Cup. Most likely. I also do want to say the expansion is great. Do not mess with the groups. Do not mess with the groups. Keep four teams in each group because, because that third round of, of, of group stage matches is absolutely electric yeah. it's like decision day yeah. every day and it's awesome you play them at the same time the the table fluctuates depending on what's happening like it's it's awesome do not take that away from us do not take that away from that is a very very cool part of the world cup um you know, i think about like my personal you know viewership of the world cup now i'm never totally out of the world cup i'm always interested in the world cup when it's on but i'm at my least interested in probably that like second round of group stage games because you get the first sure. round and it's cool it's just starting everybody's you know and then the second round is like eh. but then you go to that third round where it's you know the they play at the same time and you have the live table going every which way depending on what happens it is awesome it is incredible do not take that away from us it's very easy to do you want 32 teams in the, in the knockout rounds you get two teams that automatically qualify out of each group you do 12 group of four you get two teams that automatically qualify out of each group and then you get eight like wild cards where the best third place teams or the best non you know automatically qualifying teams depending on points are going to go through then you get your 32 it's easy don't mess with it don't mess with something simple don't overcomplicate it let's let's keep what's going keep what's working that's my that's my soapbox I'm not going to get on Everton soapbox because they're not worth my soapbox right now. <laughs> but uh, so I had to find another soapbox to get on, and that is that's what we're that's what we're getting on this week, and that's how we end the podcast. Uh, wow, we went long today. Uh, yeah, thank you guys bit. so much for tuning in. 
We really, really appreciate it. 10K stoppage time. If you haven't gotten enough after an hour and 24 minutes of Jeremy and Don, there is 10K stoppage time over on Patreon. So check us out, patreon.com slash sodasoccer. In depth on the newest first round pick for Minnesota United, Mr. Ryan Jibo. What can he bring to the loons in both the short and the long term? Uh, find out over at patreon.com slash sodasoccer right now. And if not, no worries. We'll catch you next week here on 10,000 Kisses. See you.